0: they can't handle the truth.
1: War Room, Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon.
0: Okay, Monday, 30 uh, January, Year of Our Lord, 2023. Thank you for the second hour, sticking around for the second hour of our afternoon and early evening show. I want to st- start with a long-term contributor, Adam Andruski, from over at Open Books. Very disturbing. I wanted to get to it last week, but we were so overwhelmed by stuff. But it was at the top of my list over the weekend. Incredibly disturbing, and I once again I think uh, Adam we gotta um, honor the work that your team does over there. You're you're like at the O'Keefe level as far as investigative reporting goes on corruption um, and malfeasance. Uh, tell us what's going on in the state of California, which purports to be not like New York, not like certain elements of Florida and Tallahassee, not like some of these states or Illinois that are so corrupt. They, they always pride themselves on the lack of corruption. What have you found, sir?
2: Well, we found a sophisticated, elaborate scheme to do three things. It's all run through the Governor Gavin Newsom's wife's film charity. It does three things. Number one, it pushes a radical sex, gender, and racial ideologies on 2.6 million students across the country, all 50 states, 5,000 schools, 11,000 classrooms. The second thing it does is it pushes the cult of personality of the politician Gavin Newsom. He stars in the films. The third thing it does is it actually enriches the newsoms. They're personally profiting to the tune of millions of dollars from this scheme. They are actually, Steve, and this is this is quite incredible. We found there are they are quadruple dipping taxpayer resources on this. Now you know I'm from Illinois. It's the Super Bowl of corruption, and we're famous for double-dipping politicians. Well, the newsoms aren't double-dipping, they're not triple dipping, they're quadruple dipping taxpayer dollars as they run this scheme across the entire country. I
0: want to just pull the camera back for a second, being a documentary filmmaker. This is all based upon the fact that she's a, the, the centerpiece of the scheme is she's a documentary filmmaker. And what she's doing is creating content that's really taking his profile up, not just in California, but throughout the whole nation. And, and, and obviously they're pushing uh, what I call the wokeness or the sanctuary state of California. They're pushing, they're combining it when you see Gavin Newsom, you'll see the woke policies, right? He's the hero, he's the Superman of this uh of this effort. And in fact they're making they're also making some money off this. Tell us about her. She's she's uh and I want people to to to, to know her because she's very impressive. I mean she's she's a complete radical, but she's very smart, uh very tough, very focused because she understands that as I've been saying, I think Gavin Newsom is their candidate in 2024. It's not going to be Kamala Harris. It's not going to be Joe Biden. It'll be Gavin Newsom. And, and Gavin Newsom comes with a with a program. Yeah, we totally disagree with the program, but he comes with a very well-thought-through angle of attack. And you can see his, his, his wife is actually his partner in this. She's just not a uh, – this is just not a uh, a typical candidate spouse, Adam.
2: Yeah, so this film nonprofit, so on on the curriculum, uh, it's profane, it's appalling, and it's disgusting. There's no governor of the 50 states that should be involved in anything like this. And Steve, you've seen some crazy things. But the best way I can describe two of the films here is that they use triple X-rated images for films that are shown to 11 year olds and 15 year olds. So it's very uncomfortable, super uncomfortable for me to describe these images. If you're a listening, audience, you know, everybody watching today, if they wanna see exactly what I'm talking about, you can come to openthebooks.com, read our report, click through, the, click through to the links. Viewer, dis- viewer discretion is advised. But what you're gonna find is triple X images. And I'm gonna briefly give you a snapshot what we have posted there from her films where she directs them she produces these films. You're going to find naked or nearly naked women being slapped, handcuffed, and brutalized in snapshots from pornographic videos. And if that wasn't enough, she includes the URL website address of the pornography sites so students can leave the classroom. They've got a future roadmap for exploration.
0: I want to make sure people understand nothing they're doing, though, is it, it hasn't this either gone through the um, through the uh, state legislature, or I understand he's the governor, but it has somehow gone through. It's gotten state funding. Then it been able to so, so it's not it's not criminal what they're doing. This is just that type of crony capitalism where you've uh, where they're using state funds to really push his political agenda and and push him personally.
2: So here's how they've quadrupled quadrupled dipped taxpayer the taxpayer dime. Number one, the governor. You know, he has solicited a 1,000 state vendors for over $10 million in campaign cash. And while he was doing that, his wife, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, was soliciting state vendors for five- and six-figure donations to her nonprofit. And these donations help cover the operating costs of this film nonprofit. So the film nonprofit, the nonprofit groups, the films, the curricula for the schools, the governor and the state legislature, they're in charge of funding the schools, the school's license Over the course of the last decade, to the tune of $1.5 million, the films and curriculum in California and across the country. Jennifer Newsom gets a second bite at the taxpayer Apple because she's got a for-profit film production company that contracts with the nonprofit. And so $1.6 million over the course of the last decade has flowed from the nonprofit to her for-profit business. And of course... The film star, the governor himself, as the hero and the model public servant.
0: What is her? uh, (laughs) Give us her full name, because we want to make them, as we say, we make them famous on the show. So let the audience know first, because here's I'm telling the audience, people say, well, you can't ban and you can't push these people up. You got to hammer them all the time. You got to be realistic. And I've said this now for over a year and a half. California is making a play of being totally different than MAGA, totally different than Florida totally different than the Tennessee or the Texas or the Arizona model or even Georgia they're going to he's going to position himself as the true driver of policy his wife here is not a traditional and will not be a traditional first lady she's going to be co if he wins the nomination and wins the presidency and the only way that can be stopped is we have to stop it at the ballot box and to do that we have to galvanize people she will essentially be co-president and she's she's very crafty very cunning very smart and very tough and so people we have to put this now high up on the agenda for people to understand everything that they're doing in California to get ready because they're laying the tracks not just for a 24 run but they want a fundamental transformation of this nation around the radical policies of California Uh, so how, how do we how do we follow her and follow Newsom and drill down more into what the great work you've done so far
2: So, Steve, her her full name is Jennifer Siebel Newsom. Obviously, she holds herself out as the first partner. She's married to the governor, Gavin Newsom. And I want everybody in the audience to realize, OpenTheBooks.com, we are nonpartisan. We We follow the money. And so we go after Republicans if they're lying, cheating, stealing, and we go after Democrats on the money. California, for 10 years, resisted opening their checkbook. To our auditors at openthebooks.com. They were the last of the 50 states to come through with their checkbook only because we had to reverse engineer it by filing our sunshine request on every single one of the 400 state agencies. So then when we open the books and we follow the money, here's where it leads. That's why we're on the Newsom's. And let me tell you, we've got a lot of legs under this story. This will unfold over the next six months. We are only just beginning as stunning as a polling, and profane as this story is right now, it's only just started.
0: By the way, they want to be co-president and the co-governor right now. How do people get to open the books, sir?
2: Just openthebooks.com. When you get there, you'll be hit with a pop-up. Just key your email address, and that puts you on our breaking news list.
0: Adam, as always, great reporting, great facts. Uh, I know the audience loves us, so thank you very much for joining us.
2: Steve, thank you. Thanks for having me on and giving us a nice platform to help educate the American people. This is exactly what all of us should be scared of.
0: A hundred percent. And I want everybody in the audience to take this. What you can do to help these? It doesn't cost you any money. Is to push this content out. Send links to your friends. Uh, send your li- send links to people. Find out more about what Adam's doing across the board. And I'd like to say, traditionally we have like Illinois, <laughs> New York. States, states, are certain elements of Tallahassee, states, states that traditionally, Las Vegas, you know, Nevada, states that normally, uh, uh, you know, normally tilt that way. California's been a tough nut to crack. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Thank you. I tell you, super, uh, the toughest nut to crack, tougher than big tech. And, and Naomi, you know, you've been at this for a while, right? Um you know, even though you're a very young, charming young lady, you've been at this for a while, and you would think the defense industry, big tech, uh, big oil—you uh, think about tough things to crack or what had to happen to get the Pentagon Papers out, things like that. I don't think there's anything more insidious and more powerful in this nation, and we, you know, we call folks out all the time than big pharma. Uh, they roll at a different level. I think the reason is the profit margins are so high, and they have so many people, as you know, not just in, in the nation's capital, but in every capital of every state in the union, right, on the payroll. Top lawyers, top lobbyists, top consultants, top media. Uh, you look at MSNBC and CNN, you know, every night, it is literally just chock-a-block. They, they could not afford to put on those networks at the quality, I hate the news they do, but the quality of production, if they didn't have big pharma. Not simply as a, as an advertiser, I mean literally an underwriter of these channels. But you've gone in and done it the old fashioned way. So so walk us through. I want to, I want some updates on this. Everything has happened from the FDA last week because the book is one of the most uh, uh, it, 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 it wanted books, you know, big books in the country. But what I la- really love it's one of the most gifted books in the country. People are really getting into the fact they're getting it back. That your team is getting it back of this data and really making it quite clear of exactly what's going on with this. The failed clinical trial of the of the vaccines, ma'am.
3: Yeah, um, it's it's so much worse than a failed clinical trial. But you're absolutely right. Um, the Pfizer uh, book produced by the War Room and Daily Clout, um, 3,500 volunteers, scientific and medical volunteers, is incredibly uh, the second most wished for and most gifted book in in Kindle nonfiction, which is amazing. You think about all those people who want to save their loved ones or inform their doctors, um, you know, inform their elected officials, they're they're gifting this book to others. What you said is really horribly true. And I didn't even realize it till I did a deep dive necessarily on, on pharma because pharma was the driver of the apocalypse for the last two years. But, you know, pharma, as we've seen, has become kind of a a proxy for Tyranny Inc, you know, globally, and we've followed how they've bought up our elected officials, our universities, our media, um, certainly. I guess what I want to share before I go to the latest micro report, which is unbelievably terrifying and shocking, as as they all are, um, from the Pfizer War Room Daily Cloud volunteers, is that, you know, the the Project Veritas interview, which I hope everyone in your audience by now has, has seen, um, with this, uh, Pfizer official really showed that Pfizer was shameless in not, um, not shying away from the fact that they've embraced a new business model. And instead of having the natural limits to growth of global pharmaceutical demand, that just ordinary human beings getting sick and really sick and dying or getting injured and needing painkillers or whatever you know, would give to that industry, they have completely conceded, and in their uh, press release from last Friday that you and I discussed here, they've kind of come forward in a very proactive way to acknowledge that they're really creating the problems that they then go into solve. And they basically acknowledge that they're generating um, viral changes uh, to anticipate variants, and that puts them in a good position to uh, market vaccines for new variants, um, as well as jeopardizing everyone on planet Earth, and and this is the same genocidal logic we've seen throughout the Pfizer documents. And before I get to the report, that the latest report, which adds even more evidence of this kind of genocidal, blithe, like shameless, right, willingness to create injury to sell, to sell a cure for injury, to create infection, to sell a cure for infection. Um, They, they have, you know, I was really noting that when I went to the hospital recently, uh, I was asked over and over and over again, are you on blood thinners? Are you on blood thinners? And I hadn't been asked that before. Maybe it's a natural thing, but I'm a reporter. So I put this out. Well, I got such negative reaction from thousands of trolls on Twitter. And I forgot, having been deplatformed from Twitter, how awesome Twitter is for journalists. Because when a lot of trolls attack you and a lot of AI attacks you, you can be pretty sure there's a story there. So I looked into blood thinners. And this goes right along with the Project Veritas Exposé, with what the Pfizer documents um, ebook has shown. Who creates blood thinners? I will give you two guesses. Who owns the patent for blood thinners? I won't make you guess. It is Pfizer. And Pfizer rolled this out in 2017. They bought Eloquil, a blood thinner, and they said within five years, this will be a billion dollar a year drug. Well, you know, people don't, their blood doesn't thicken in five years more, right? More of the population doesn't have blood clotting organically in five years. But Sure enough, the lipid nanoparticles, which are an essential part of the mRNA injection that uh, Pfizer also rolled out in 2020, um, does thicken the blood. That's it's an industrial fat, and it's des- it it's de- it thickens when um, when the temperatures rise when it's room temperature or body temperature, and and it 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 causes thick blood. It causes clotting. So, I looked at a chart from Fierce Pharma, and it shows that it, by 2021. Um, The top three drugs were like Comirnaty, uh, allegedly Pfizer's um, mRNA injection for COVID, uh, also Spikevax, another injection for COVID. And in the top five also was Eloquil, which is what millions and millions of people are now being prescribed to thin their blood now that their blood has been thickened by an industrial fat, which is designed to thicken what it's injected into. Um, I just wanted to put that just out also there. When you, when, you go hosp- example, when you go, the,
0: the, when you go the hospital, when you go to the hospital and say, you've got the, you've got the, uh, you, you've got a, they think you've got a blood clot. The first thing they say, they call it the Pfizer clot. And the first thing they do is they put you on blood thinners. And I've known, I know directly really? two or three guys that, oh yeah, two or three guys have gone. And when they check in to emergency service, and these are people that give a lot of money. So the head of the hospital is going to meet them, but they're checking in with the staff and they go yeah, I got the pain in the back of my leg. And without looking up, the nurse goes, oh, you got the Pfizer clot. No, And they go, Oh, oh yeah, God. no, no, they call it the Pfizer clot. And they put it, and they, by the way, they immediately they put them on the blood thinners, immediately. So okay. I want to make, before well, we get, but hang on, I, I know you get, go. I want to just say one thing you brought up the other day that's very powerful. And look, I know you come from this world, I do, where you sit around the conference table having the presentation, Boston Consulting Group's up there at the front. The ter- they come up with the term and it's directed evolution, directed evolution, directed evolution. Directed evolution. That is uh, uh, that is should be a that's a foghorn going off the fire Aww. bell in the night for 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 the uh, for American Lao by Jing. Understand that is uh, that's good. Things are not going to come from that. OK, directed evolution. Yeah. They would say, Naomi, Bannon, you crazies over at the war room and at Daily Cloud, all you nutcases, you wing nuts and conspiracy theorists, what we're trying to do is just get ahead of the curve. What we're trying to do in that is not gain-of-function, it's direct evolution We're trying to take the virus, I don't know, 500,000 years in the future so that we can come up with those therapies and vaccines. And particularly the Covariant, every spring that we can come up with a new one. So we're just trying to protect mankind. What would be your response, Naomi Wolf, to, uh, to uh, the Pfizer uh, PR department, comms department, putting out the the word to Joy and Reed's staff that this is how you blow these wing nuts up? Uh,
3: you know, arguably, I mean, that's what our, our defense community is about, right? There is a, a reason for our... Military establishment to investigate bioweapons and to anticipate bioweapons that might be used against us. But it's also illegal, it's illegal for Pfizer to do it. It, You know, in 2017, uh, President Obama passed a law making it illegal to engage in gain of function research. And I, you know, how short is Americans' memory that we were just having this debate a year ago uh, when it, you know, we were trying to figure out, well, what happened with the Wuhan lab and everyone understood belatedly that when gain of function investigations and experiments became illegal in America, they were shipped over to Wuhan where they weren't illegal. And the same people oversaw them with their Chinese colleagues. Um, And that's why we got the virus that we got. Um, So I would say, A, it's illegal. I don't care if that's your intention. If that's what our military wants to do, there are strict protocols, um, you know, governing what they do. It's not a crazy, genocidal, private company that you know, clearly from the Pfizer documents, literally doesn't care about experimenting on human beings, killing human beings, killing babies, making people drop dead of stroke. I mean, that's why we have laws. That's why we're a nation of laws. And the other thing I would say again, and say it to those who didn't hear me when I last talked about the Pfizer press release subsequent to the Project Veritas Exposé, is that they don't say who they're collaborating with. They say our collaborator, the collaborators, we're engaging in these experiments with our collaborators. They don't say it's America. They don't say it's our federal agencies. They don't say it's our military. It could be anyone in the world who wants us dead, you know, who wants our land, who wants our natural resources, our natural gas, our oil, our our minerals. I mean, who are their collaborators? I've fully established that Pfizer and BioNTech are fully in an MOU with the Chinese Communist Party fully manufacturing this injection with the Chinese Communist Party, that the SEC filing shows the IP transferring to China at the end of 2021, and that China has opened, in concert with BioNTech, 13 manufacturing facilities in Western Europe and two in North America, in the United States, in Princeton and in uh, Springfield, Mass. And I will keep saying this until people understand it. They, you know, this press release... There's a reason if you're in PR, you say the good thing unless the good thing doesn't exist, and then you don't mention it. They didn't say that their collaborators were Americans. They didn't say who they were at all. So this is a giant cloud over the head of of everyone in the world. You know, if we don't know who Pfizer is collaborating with, because we've abundantly shown in 700 pages of fully sourced documentation in the Pfizer ebook by the War Room Daily Cloud volunteers that again and again and again, this company hand in hand with the Chinese Communist Party, will kill and injure and render infertile Westerners and Americans, we've shown it categorically. So now there's still more evidence and Project Veritas and James O'Keefe gave you still more evidence. It's not evidence scattered all over the chessboard, Steve, it's evidence all aligned with the same genocidal intention. And I don't enjoy saying this over and over, but I've literally been following the story here for a year and literally everything I've said has borne out and everything that the War Room Daily Cloud uh, researchers have have surfaced um, has, you know, has has stood uh, the test of publication. Um, so we have to face it. You know, and talk about is, that. You've, you've,
0: you've actually you've you actually you've actually got a new one to add to the pile. What the, the latest is, you know, every one of these shocks me more than the last. The latest pretty one's shocking. also pretty shocking.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, let me just go right for it. this is Report 53, and and by the way, there was a recently a poll of uh, of random people, not even conservatives or war room watchers in particular, 85% of them believe that it's a bioweapon created by China. And that's a huge uh, testimony to this conversation that we've been having because we really broke that story. Your Natalie Winters broke that story, and um, very few people understood that, you know, a year ago, and now most of America does. Uh, Report 53, this so shocking, I can barely bring myself to say it. 77% of cardiovascular adverse events from Pfizer's mRNA COVID shot occurred in women, as well as in people under age 65. Additionally, two minors in the Pfizer documents suffered cardiac events. The bullet points are even more shocking. This is from, um, 5.3.6 5.3.6 document, and cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse event reports. And some of the highlights are half of the cardiovascular adverse events, meaning heart damage, right, were reported in the first 24 hours post-injection. Please absorb that. Half of them happened within a day after getting injected. There were 136 deaths. Which equates to nearly 10% of all of the affected patients. One in 10 died of the patients who are affected. Of the total of 1,403 patients, 946, or 66%, had severe adverse events. Even as horrible as these numbers are, Pfizer gamed even worse numbers by excluding from the heart-related adverse events, the categories of myocarditis and pericarditis. They they peeled them out of this column of cardiovascular events, even though by now we all know that myocarditis and pericarditis are heart damage. We know that. Instead, they reported those adverse events under a totally separate category, immune, immune-mediated autoimmune category. And that, um, artificially lowered these these numbers. So as horrible as these numbers are, they're artificially lower than they really were. One child and one adolescent suffered cardiovascular adverse events But Pfizer did not provide any details of what happened to these minors. These children were also not included in Pfizer's pediatric report. Did they experience heart attacks? Does the Food and Drug Administration even know about these cases? Remember, these two kids got hurt in the custody of the FDA. And this was before and during the FDA and the CDC rolling it out for kids, rolling it out for kids, rolling it out for kids. They knew two children had heart attacks. A much younger population, ages 18 to 64 years, made up the bulk of adverse event cases in this category, 77%. This is completely anomalous, according to our cardiologist experts. Um, Cardiovascular disease, they point out, is typically a hallmark of age. Why were there so many cardiovascular events, um, side effects in younger adults? And lastly, the gender split. I mean, this is yet another category in, w- in which women are almost three quarters of the people who are hurt. Um, cardiovascular adverse events in the Pfizer documents occurred more than three times as often in women. One thousand seventy-six women were injured, as opposed to two hundred ninety-one men, and thirty-six were unreported. Na- so, um, about three times. Na- the number Naomi, just
0: Naomi, just just hang just hang on one second. We'll take a short commercial break. We've got a Naomi Wolf. The uh, famous Lindsay from Texas, Lindsay Jones will also join us, and of course our own Joe Allen talking about Peter Thiel's presentation at Oxford on Artificial Intelligence, all next forward. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy. And they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers services with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com Bannon. That is patriotmobile.com Bannon, Or call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code BANNON. That's patriotmobile.com slash BANNON. Or call 878-PATRIOT. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly 250 grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act, but beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now Because this plan expires soon. That's covidtaxrelief.org, covidtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with covidtaxrelief.org. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely, totally free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public, the, word, the letters, sq.com. And download the app today totally free. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free. So your local community can start to support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. Go to PublicSQ.com. That's PublicSQ.com.
1: War Room battleground with Stephen K. Bannon.
0: Okay, I know I say this every time, Naomi Wolf. But if this, if this, uh, this data is av- you know, sitting there in the releases that Pfizer has been forced to make by a federal judge. Why isn't? I mean, God bless the 3,500 War Room volunteers. God bless Amy Kelly. God bless your 250 lawyers, Daily Clout, your, you for oversight, all of it. But why are the institutions like, uh, you know, Johns Hopkins and Harvard and yeah you know, all the people come on MSNBC every night? And why is FDA and CDC not going through the same data and, and, and warning people about this? Why does it sit there for a group of outside volunteers uh, to basically crowdsource this, ma'am?
3: Well, the CDC is aware enough of what we're finding to have colluded with Twitter to smear us early on when we first started stumbling on some of this material. Um, so I think they're following what these volunteers are disclosing and preparing their, their defense. I mean, I think you see it with the kind of, um, you know, stories we've seen of after we issued our report showing 61 people dropped dead of stroke, they're like, oh yeah, stroke could be a problem. You know, that's not science, that's not public health, that's disgusting rear guard, action to protect yourself after you've killed a lot of people. Um, the, the other institutions, honestly, Steve, you know, at this point, when, when governments across the world in Western Europe, like in Britain, they're not giving this booster to under 50s. In Germany, the health minister is acknowledging they had a 36% rise in deaths. You know, I'm a, astonished that uh, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, well, it's the Wall Street Journal's coming forward to some extent, but you know, Bloomberg, they're not stepping forward and saying, okay, we made a horrible mistake. Um, people are dying. We're really sorry. We're gonna start reporting this now. And I—I I, part of me doesn't understand it, except as kind of at this point, a psychotic reaction to participating in a, you know, turning, turning the planet into a mass gravesite, you know, with, with intention. And colluding in the worst thing ever to happen to humanity, um, I, you know, from the people I I know and love who are still in that world, there's so much denial. They don't want to talk about it. They think if they don't look at it, it'll go away. So, you know, my feed from the New York Times is like, you know, what to cook this winter, and they're they're not looking. Some of that is like psychotic denial. Some of it, I think, as I've said before, you know, it's probably advice from their lawyers. No, I'm serious. You know, like, do you, do you want to face the fact that you've been cheerleading a massacre? Seriously. Right? But that's the best I can do. And the last, like, I'll just say this, the last hypothesis I have is, is you know, is spiritual. I think we're in a spiritual battle, the like of which we have not seen since... Old Testament times. And there are things going on that I cannot even explain politically or materially in which people have lost their souls. You know, a bunch of people have like given their souls away and maybe this is how they behave when they've done that. We've just never seen it before in our lifetimes.
0: This is absolutely a, a spiritual war at the, at the uh, railhead of it. Naomi, how do people continue to get the book? Because I want everybody in our audience to get it. One reason you should get it, this is the effort of your colleagues and your, your, uh, your compatriots, right? Your comrades, right? They've helped put their shoulder to the wheel for the research, for putting it together. Of course, Amy Kelly, the great teammate, Daily Cloud. Where do they get the book? Where do they continue to find your book, The Bodies of Others, and also all, your, uh, all the great content you're putting out?
3: Thank you. Go to go to Amazon, please, and order it on Kindle, because that keeps us up in that best selling category, which has an impact on the discussion. Um, You can also gift it on Kindle. You can also get it as a PDF on dailycloud.io. And in two weeks, there will be a paperback book, a paperback book that you can plop down on the desk of your doctor or your loved one or your anyone, your child's teacher. um, And we'll let you know as soon as that's uh, available to you.
4: Yeah.
0: Or, or most importantly, all, the, all your neighbors, friends and relatives that give you stink eye every time you come to dinner or the Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to plop that book down and say, just go through it. Maybe even plotting. highlight certain <laughs> elements of it.
3: That's it. Right.
0: Uh, Naomi, thank, thank you so much. Honor to have you on here. Thank
3: you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Uh, Lindsay Jones joins us. Lindsay from Texas on Twitter. It's a uh, uh, individual I've wanted to have on for quite a while. Lindsay, walk us through. You, you've got, you talk about the whistleblower conferences on, on all this. You've been at the tip of the spear, putting up great content on Twitter all the time and not taking down, which is a, which is a, which is an art form in itself. Tell us what you got going on.
5: Well, um, I've been working with whistleblowers, including Dr. Andrew Huff was the very first one that I helped whenever he came forward with his story and he needed help getting uh, connected to different outlets such as Project Veritas and um, wanted an avenue of uh, how to connect with them. So I um, started working with him and I connected him with uh, different journalist outlets and helped him around the clock. Our
0: audience, uh, yeah. Our audience will remember Dr. Huff wrote this incredible book. He was actually at Echo Health Alliance, and he wrote The Insider's View on Wuhan. It's It's been a seminal work. And a hat tip to you, Lindsay, because this uh, I already know that this book and Dr. Huff are going to be a critical part of the congressional investigations going forward on the Wuhan lab, COVID, the vaccine, all of it. So fantastic work there, man.
5: Thank you. Yeah, it was a little difficult. Everyone kept telling us that the story actually wouldn't come out until November because of the whole political spectrum. And I didn't understand how um, a political factor would be an issue here whenever he's trying to explain that it was lab leak and he has proof and evidence to bring forward. Um, It shouldn't be political, uh, but I got thrown into all of of that and trying to navigate that whole aspect of it was very interesting. But um, another whistleblower that is um, arguably the most significant whistleblower in history, um, Brooke Jackson, she uh, is the Pfizer whistleblower that came forward in 2020 and she oversaw Pfizer clinical trial sites and witnessed an egregious amount of fraud and and all her 20 years of experience had never seen anything like it before. So she um, came forward. She first went up the chain. She went to the FDA. She went to Pfizer. She tried to ring the alarm. And um, when she did that, when she went to the FDA, she lost her job within hours. They called her and said she wasn't a good fit anymore. So um, obviously they did not want the um, wrongdoing to be exposed, but she has evidence that, of substantial fraud where Pfizer wanted them to change certain data points. And um, people that were working at fast food restaurants the week before were in the clinical trial sites giving vaccines to people, Um, things that I think are, are really shocking. But what's so significant about Brooke's case um, she's working. Her attorneys now are Warner, Hall and Robert Barnes. But her case is so significant because it's the one case that I'm aware of, other than Ron DeSantis' grand jury that he's um, convened, that could overturn the um, liability immunity for Pfizer. Because if the case, if if they find that it is the case that the contract that Pfizer signed with the United States government was based on fraud, then the False Claims Act can overturn that and Free up um, the ability for people to sue Pfizer for harm and wrongdoing based on the fact that they had uh, fraudulent data that they lied on behalf of the American people. Um, right now, it is uh, being it's pending, being held in a court in federal court by a Trump-appointed judge in East Texas, and um, hopefully that they'll be able to move forward soon and um, and they'll move on to discovery so they're having a uh, lawyer conference in atlanta in um, march 25th and 26th and that her couple of her attorneys are hosting that along with other panelists um, to try to educate other attorneys on how to take down these bad actors and these bad corporations, and how to help people that are involved um, that have lost their jobs because of the mandates, and you know, help guide um, attorneys and educate them on how they can help people. How, how, right.
0: how, when's it going to be? When's it going to be in Atlanta? Because we want to cover this. We want to make sure everybody gets that wants to gets access to. Do you know the dates of when it's going to be?
5: guess it's going to be uh, March uh, 25th and 26th. If you go to uh, vacsafety.org, they have it listed on the events page there. Uh, the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, um, Steve Kirsch's foundation that I, I I also get to help work with. Um, they are the ones hosting this and putting it together and helping arrange everything and really try to amplify these voices because everyone wants to take down the bad guys. But Right now, the bad guys need help too. They need they need uh, attorneys in the fight, and they need funding. If I mean, everybody wants to do um, and and help and 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 ask for um, all these all these people to be taken down, but you have to have attorneys in in the fight in order to make that happen. So, I think um, there's a couple websites that. Um, One of the attorneys, Warner Mendenhall, um, I spoke with him this morning, uh, mentioned it's uh, the Ohio Stands Up Foundation and TruthForHealth.org are both two nonprofits that are helping fund some of these causes. Um, But Warner Mendenhall has helped a long list of people that have been fired as a result of these unconstitutional mandates. So he is, um, I, I, highly respect him. I think he's a wonderful person and, um, love to, I think the, if everybody could rally behind him, I think that, you know, it'd be a great thing yeah. for everyone that's been, um, that's I've been at a loss for their American freedom in this. It's been outrageous to, to witness.
0: Perfect. Lin- Lindsay, how do people get you on social media? Cause you're putting up great content all the time. Where do people go?
5: Well, now that I have my account back, um, I'm on Twitter as Texas Lindsay. And I'm on Getter as um, I think my name is Texas Lindsay or it's Lindsay Kate, which is my middle name. So i on both of those platforms and I try to stay away from Meta. Doesn't do anybody any good. <laughs> but um, <there's-> Fantastic.
0: Lindsay, you're a fan. Excuse me.
5: I said there's one more thing I was going to add. Uh, that um, Sure, sure, sure. The Alien Tort Claims Act um, is another avenue that they're pursuing, and so that was actually a law that was put in. Uh, the statute was put in place in 1769, uh, I believe, um, and it is no 1789. It and it's a statute that will allow people outside of the U.S. if they felt like they've been defrauded or harmed by. Um, companies or organizations such as Pfizer, that they can get in on this litigation as well and sue Pfizer, which Pfizer has actually been sued through this statute before. So it's not just the United States of America that can help, um, that these lawsuits can help. It can help people around the world. I think it's it's great.
0: We'll we'll push push that out too. Lindsay, thank you very much. We'll go to Lindsay for Texas on Twitter and make sure we get your site or your uh, social media up on uh, Getter. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and play. we got a cold open for Joe Allen with Peter Thiel. Let's go ahead and play the cold open. Then we'll bring uh, this uh, talk he gave at Oxford, I believe. Uh, everybody's talking about it. So I want this audience to hear a condensed version of it. going us go ahead and
1: hit it. It brings me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Peter Thiel to give the inaugural address of the Oxford Union's bicentenary year.
4: You know, the general thesis that I've been articulating in different fora for close to two decades is... There is something about science and technology that's not progressing as quickly. But for the last uh, 40 or 50 years, outside the world of bits, it has been a story of general stagnation. Why can't we have a ticker tape parade for the you know one or two the key scientists who developed the mRNA vaccine? We're told this is this fantastic scientific technological breakthrough. Why can't we celebrate this? And um, and my sort of cultural thesis is that. Uh, it is immediately adjacent in people's minds to this great existential fear, because the mRNA vaccines somehow remind us of um, this thing going on in the Wuhan lab that was called, had this Orwellian term, gain of function research, which sounds sort of like a bioweapons program in disguise. But within computers, probably the, the, the futuristic narrative is always around AI, artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence. I was involved with a thing called the uh, Singularity Institute, which, Um, pushed um, sort of accelerationist, utopian technology. And I sort of remember thinking to myself, by 2015, I reconnected with some of these people, and it didn't feel like they were really pushing the uh, the AI thing as fast as before. It had shifted from transhumanism to Luddite. No, actually, we want to slow this down. It it feels kind of dangerous. I'm going to read this. It's from April 2022, less than a year ago. Uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky, who's one of the sort of thought leaders of the sort of futurist um, AI, and it's announcing a new death with dignity strategy. It's obvious at this point that humanity isn't going to solve the alignment problem of how to get the AI aligned with humans, or even try very hard, or even go out with much of a fight. Since survival is unattainable, we should shift the focus of our efforts to helping humanity die with slightly more dignity. It's an extraordinary way. That the, uh, the the context has shifted. Oxford professor Nick Bostrom, I think of him as sort of a mouthpiece of the zeitgeist, um, and he sort of wrote this paper back in 2019 called the Vulnerable World Hypothesis. Sort of, and it outlines all these different existential risks: climate change, nuclear weapons, um, runaway nanotechnology, the robots killing everybody, the, the AI killing everybody, runaway bioweapons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are four things that must be done to stabilize the world. Number one restrict technological development. Number two, ensure that there does not exist a large population of actors representing a wide and recognizably human distribution of motives. Number three, establish extremely effective preventive policing. And number four, you need to establish effective global governance. If we are going to enumerate all these existential risks, and we have to talk about them, we have to discuss them, we have to think about them. If you end up with a one-world totalitarian state, that also counts as an existential risk. You know, in the sort of quasi-mythological New Testament account, the the slogan of the Antichrist is peace and safety. Perhaps we should fear the Antichrist, perhaps we should fear the one-world totalitarian state uh, more than Armageddon. What I would say is I, I don't know if we actually need to get to the uh, super futuristic versions of AI, for it to be um, for it to be problematic, where it's um, this super intelligent computer. The the version of it that uh, I think is the most real and the most problematic is something like what you see in in communist China, where it's it's um, it's fairly low tech, but it is just this pervasive surveillance. We have we have all sorts of debates whether AI is conscious or whether it's intelligent or super intelligent. But if we avoid the political question of how it gets used in, in places like China, um, you know, maybe it's merely evil. And maybe something can be merely evil. It's not conscious. It's not even intelligent. It's merely evil. If you were to say that crypto is libertarian, then why can't we say that AI is, is communist? It's not completely inherent in it, but it's a, it's a certain tendency in it. And, uh, and while I am, I am pro-acceleration, I'm pro-tech, I'm even pro-AI, um, it is probably the one technology that I have the most misgivings about. The Luddites, look, uh, they, they, even if they were right about a lot of things, they, they ultimately are wrong. You're going to lose, if nothing else, than in the military context. It, it's, it's even, even if the Luddites are right about everything, you will lose to China on hypersonic weapons or space weapons or weapons in cislunar space or robots armed with AI. Probably there's something about the Luddite answer that's uh, self-destructive and, uh, and parochial at the same time.
0: It's neither procreate or self-destructive. That's just a total cop-out. You're absolutely correct. He plays—we only got three and a half minutes. You're coming back tomorrow morning, but you've nailed this. Teal's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to act like he's, he's there to help everybody, and I know he did some bad things at first, or maybe back of it, but I'm not an accelerationist. I actually think the Luddites have it. But then at the end, he's 100% accelerationist. He is not a Luddite on this. And Luddites are on the side of the Homo sapiens. Uh, Joe Allen.
1: Yes, Steve, we could do an entire episode on Peter Thiel's thoughts. Uh, He's a complex guy. He shows that the transhumanist impulse is certainly not limited to globalists. He's very much a nationalist. He claims Christianity in a a strange form. So he's a very brilliant guy. I don't think anybody would deny that. But he wants to go full steam ahead on all technologies that can potentially be useful for human beings. And while he acknowledges the dangers, he doesn't seem to take them as seriously as the possibility of technology being restrained. And therefore, either we just stagnate and never really progress as a species, or as he says at the end, the fear is that China will outpace the US or the West in general, and therefore we'll just simply be defeated. I don't think these are unreasonable arguments. But I don't think that he really provides a serious solution to them other than we have to go forward because there's really no other choice. I personally think there is a choice. It's just simply not a, a it's not an easy choice to be made.
0: Hey, we're we're going to come back uh, tomorrow at 10, and I'm going to figure out how to get this into the first or second hour because we've got a Peter Thiel is a good man. He's a smart man. First guy, one of the first guy, first guy in Silicon Valley to really come out for President Trump. Um, but if the argument is, if this is the argument, that the Luddites, we can't slow things down and we can't, uh, you know, we, we can't slow things down so we're not overwhelmed by this, humanity is not overwhelmed by this, and the reason we can't do that is China's not going to slow down their AI weapons program, and that's a problem. I got a solution for that. I can choke down the Chinese Communist Party in 90 days, and they know it, right? They absolutely know it. I can ch- You cut them off from capital, and you cut them off from technology, and in ninety days, a Lao by Jing overthrows him. So if that's what if that's what Peter Thiel's saying, you, you can't just agree to this because oh, the Chinese may get ahead of us on the weapons using artificial intelligence. That's his argument, and that all the other uh, ways, all the other verticals, the 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 uh, converging on the singularity. We just got to go along with because I'm afraid of Chinese weapons powered by artificial intelligence. That'll never stand up. Peter Thiel, you're just one hundred. You're a very smart guy. But on this one, you are 100% wrong. We'll be back here tomorrow. Joe, I'll figure out how we, we got to get this more in the front burner uh, because you didn't do an excellent job. And now everybody's melting down on the tiniest part, uh, you know, the the, the chat GPT. Uh, Joe, we'll see you tomorrow morning. I want to thank everybody, particularly the team in Memphis, putting this on. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow morning. You're going to hear a lot more about a sophisticated take on the singularity. Now what you're hearing out of the mainstream media. See you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Back here in the War Room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplug Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone